everybody, and welcome to tonight's episode of Rise Up, Ignite Your Life. And my name is Krista Fee, and tonight's guest is retired Sergeant Mark DeBona, and he is he is retired from a 33-year career, and he is co-founder of Protecting the Guardian. So he's going to talk a little bit about his life and his experiences, and he's also going to, also going to tell you guys about how he has turned his life into serving others. So if you guys could just give us a nice warm welcome. Hello. Hello. Hey, everybody. <laughs> I'm so happy to have you here tonight. The past few days, I have been meeting so many people in our little tiny circle. And I say little tiny circle because there's like, what, 50 of us maybe running around the country going to all of these conventions and seminars. And we see each other all the time. And uh, it's almost a, a little family, uh, but it's very, very slowly growing. So this, this tidal wave of movement on the topic of post-traumatic stress and re redoing these systems and structures that... Are, we're struggling with so much. So just to, to get things going, why don't you tell us a little bit about your service and your career and what that was like for you? Okay. Well, first of all, it's an honor to be here. So thank you so much for inviting me. It's I, I, I truly appreciate that. And you're right. It is, a, it is a small circle that needs to get bigger and bigger. And it will within time. Absolutely will in time. Because we need advocates like us to, to understand mental health illness and the, the, the cliche phase, uh, phrase of it's okay not to be okay. Um, I think that's a little overused right now, but that's okay. Because if it's getting the word out, then I'm, I'm fine with it being overused. Um, I began my career uh, right outside of Boston, a town called Braintree, uh, June 6, 1985. And to put a little cop humor into that, it was on a Friday that I was, that I was sworn in. And the first Friday of June is National Donut Day. So I, I, I yeah, and, and I love donuts. So uh, I don't know if that was just meant to be or what, but all my life I, I, I wanted to be a cop. It's just ever since, ever since I was, I can remember watching all the cop shows on TV. Um, and it was just, I just wanted to be a cop. And when June 6, 1985, when I became a cop was one of the greatest moments of my life. Um, I did eight years in Massachusetts. I did um, uh, a town called Braintree right outside of Boston. Then I moved on to the Amtrak police. And a lot of people don't realize Amtrak has a police department. Um, and I, I did, I did, uh, I did uh, five years there. Then my wife and I, we decided to move to Florida. I worked for a small town called Avon Park. This is my Boston accent coming out, uh, Avon Park. And I worked there a year. Then I went into the Seminole County Sheriff's Office for 25 years, where I retired in 2019. April 1st, April Fool's Day, I, re I retired. Uh, I retired as a patrol sergeant. And in my career, I did quite a bit. I was a public information officer. I was a field training officer. I was an academy instructor, in-service instructor, driving instructor. Teaching was really my, my big, actually my second career choice was I wanted to be a teacher. So teaching at the police academy kind of uh, was the best of both worlds. But one thing I didn't, re I never realized was uh, when, when I first started my career that here I would be in 2022 on Memorial Day. Uh, and thank you uh, to uh, to our, our, our service. I, I tr truly appreciate our service members. Uh, this is what Memorial is about. It's not to honor ones that that uh, made the ultimate sacrifice. So, so thank you, thank thank you so much. Um, but I never realized that here we are in, on Memorial Day in 2022. I'd be talking about uh, mental health, wellness, suicide, suicide prevention. But I never thought that I would have a, I would I would obtain a mental health issue from the job, and also from my childhood experiences that we're going to probably talk about in a little while. And uh, it was a great career. It, it really was. I loved being a cop. Um, in my opinion, it's probably the greatest job in the world. But I also knew it was time to go. It was it was time to move on from the job, and that was a tough thing. To, that was a tough decision to make uh, with the guidance of my wife and, and God. Uh, we, I, I think, I, I know I made the right decision, and it was just a great career. But it was it was just time to move on. I was able to grow my hair long, grow a beard. Um, I'm, I'm into rock and roll and into music. I play the guitar and keyboards, not that well, but I but I play. And uh, that's such a great stress relief. And um, believe it or not, growing my hair long is, is, has helped my, my mental health wellness, believe it or not. Because I used to wear my hair very short, high and tight, 
very military style. And uh, I, I, I love the long hair and I love life. You re-identified yourself. One of the- yeah. Bingo, bingo. Yeah. Yep, yep, yep. One of the big things about that career is it becomes your identity. So you were a cop. Now you're Mark. Right. <laughs> and you yeah, yeah, fully- it, Right. And, and it's, just, it's, it's it's almost from one extreme to the other, almost to a point, because as you know, in law enforcement, we live a very structured life, very structured career. Uh, we're hypervigilant. Uh, we're, we're pretty much cops 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Um, and a lot of times that becomes your identity. Uh, and it's very hard for a lot of people to let that to let that go and to move on from it. And I'm not going to lie. I, I struggled at first also during my first probably month or two after retirement. But then I said to myself, you know, I, I, I've got to move on from this. I've got to enjoy my career, enjoy my pension, um, and, and, but more so in, enjoy life and put the bad times behind, but learn from those bad times also. And uh, again, it was a great run being a cop, but uh, life couldn't be any better right now. I, I truly mean that when I say that. Beautiful. So you have Marshall Lord saying hello. I know Marshall. How you doing, my brother? <laughs> to let you know that that he is here commenting. All right. So you mentioned your childhood, and that is something that I'm trying to get more people to talk about. That it's, there are some risk factors that we need to look at when we go into these helping professions, and one of the structures that we, that our organization is trying to work on is actually doing some testing, doing some ACE, doing some, you know, some education before someone is hired onto the job that just so you know, these are things that may impact whether you get PTSD or not. And you might want to watch for signs and symptoms. So I was a victim of childhood sexual abuse. And I know that that affected my work in the emergency room. So did that did your childhood affect your career it did it did i i'm also a survivor of childhood sexual abuse also and my, my abuser was actually a, a police officer um and as we know uh sexual abusers are also bullies and uh and they they you know they bully you and they make you do things that you don't obviously don't want to do and honestly do some na nasty stuff and no, nobody should be subject of that of that abuse because it will affect you mentally and obviously physically also with the physical pain, but also the mental pain that comes with it. Uh, I put that, I was able to, um, maybe I shouldn't use the word able. I, 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 uh, I was in denial that that happened to me. Uh, it lasted for quite a while, probably three or four years, if not longer. Uh, and when I became a cop, uh, when I went to sexual abuse calls, it, it would, it would trigger me. Uh, and I, I would get very angry. Um, and I'll be honest with some, a little bit angry at the victim also. Um, and, and I'm like, I thought to myself, why is, why is this happening? Why am I like mad, mad at this? I have to be a professional. I have to go in there and investigate this crime, make the arrest, write the report, whatever needs to be done. But I had a sense of anger. And what I thought was really strange was, and I didn't know this till I, um, till afterwards was, um, when I was on the call, I used to get short of breath. I would feel chest pains. And obviously that that's part that's, that's a panic attack. And um, that, that was very difficult for me to understand that, uh, that. And then when I, uh, through therapy, and uh, I realized that, um, yeah, you know, we, we say, people say you're a victim, but we're survivors of, of this. We're survivors and we're warriors. And uh, that's why I want everybody to hear that uh, sexual abuse uh, is, is uncalled for. It's nasty. It's wrong. But we can uh, move on from it. We can rise up from it uh, and show people, hey, listen, yeah. I understand how you feel. And that's one thing I've always learned when I was a cop is I never said to anybody, I know how you feel unless I actually experienced that, that, that experience. And, um, and I was able to say to, to victims of, uh, of sexual abuse that I do understand how you feel. It took a lot to do that. It really did. And that came towards the end part of my career, um, uh, where I was able to speak about it and talk about it. And, uh, it's a very powerful thing to speak about it and to move on from it and rise up from it. And I think um, that's something that um, cops have to understand that um, this, it can happen to anybody and you know, less of a person if you, if it did happen to you or not. 
So you went through a phase when your logical mind and your emotions weren't totally making sense to you early on in your career because you didn't know where that was coming from. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I, I knew. I mean, obviously, I knew it happened, uh, but I just pushed it aside because I pushed it aside for several reasons. Number one is um, we as cops, is we're, we're, we're supposed to be tough guys, tough girls, and nothing bothers us. We're, we're, we're helpers. We're not helpies. Um, and uh, so I pushed aside for, for that reason, um, the embarrassment also, the anger, the uh, so I pushed it, I pushed it aside and um, how it um, came to surface was I was talking to my wife about it one time and she's also a survivor of sexual abuse. And um, we started talking about it, we became very open about it. Uh, we, we did a conversation in the past about it, but not to the conversation where we're like, okay, let's 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 get better from this and let's not dwell on this and let's, let's, uh, let's get better from it. So it was difficult. It was extremely difficult. Um, but, um, I, I understood that it did happen to me and I'm not going to go around being pissed off and, oh, oh, you know, why me, why me or anything like that. Um, my, like I said earlier, my abuser was a police officer and that, that was very, very difficult. It was a, it was a man that my mother was dating and I never told my mom about it. I grew up in a single parent home. Never, uh, to, uh, my mother has since passed away. My mother to this day has no, no I, I'm sure she's looking down at me right now, hearing me talk about this, but I never told her that because I didn't want to hurt her. I didn't want her to blame herself for it. That she brought this person into our family. Um, and it's not her fault. Def definitely, definitely not her fault. So we don't talk about marriage very often on this show because marriage is such a challenging thing for officers. But if I heard you correctly, you're still with your wife that was that you were with in the beginning. Right. I, I don't have a typical cop marriage. I'm married. I've been married to the same woman. A lot of cops are married two or three times. Uh, I've been married for uh, almost 31 years. We've been together for almost 36 years. Uh, I couldn't I couldn't ask for a better person. I really she's been with me through the, the best times. And I put her, I, I put her through some very, very difficult times, times I would like to change, but I know I can't. Uh, but she stood by me uh, through the best of times and, and the worst of times. I couldn't be any more blessed when I, when, I, when I say that. I mean, truly, truly blessed. So how, how did you manage to stay with your wife? Uh, being open, uh, I'm sorry, being, being open with her. Um, a lot of people say um, that, you know, uh, in the cop world, don't go home and tell your other half about what happened. My, my wife's a nurse, did a lot of, did several years in the emergency room. Um, there's trauma right there, obviously. Um, and we, we just had, I just had that. Uh, um, one thing I failed at was I put the job ahead of her several times. And I'll be the first to admit that I, I failed in that. I, I totally failed in that. You know, we'd have a weekend off and I'm like, oh, I'm going to go work an extra shift. I'm going to go work an off-duty job to make some extra money. Uh, hey, listen, they're shorthanded. I should probably go in. Uh, I would do. I would pull up my laptop and check my emails and do things while we're eating dinner on our nights off. And that's that's not healthy. That's not healthy. That's the mistakes I made. But on the on the plus side, that was I did realize that uh, my my wife was was going to be with me through thick and thin. Um, we, we talked about we talked about off air. Um, I use this line all the time. You may love the job, but the job doesn't love you. My wife loves me and she has, she takes me for what I am. Did the job love me? Well, maybe to a point it did, but who do I go home with? Who do I cry with? Who do I hold at night? Who do, who am I going to spend the rest of my life with for better or for worse is my wife. And if I looked at that back in my career, um, not that I have a, I never had my marriage had up and downs like any other marriage, but uh, I think it would have been a lot better if I put my wife as, as priority number one. So, it's really, really awesome that you say being open with your wife was one of the keys because another another thing that, that we're trying to change is this whole idea that, like you said, we don't go home and bring work home, but there's a way to bring it how you're feeling home and a way to have those conversations where you're not just dumping on your partner and saying, oh, you know, well, I saw a dad that shot his kid in the face today. You don't have to do that, but you can go home and say, honey, I had a really rough day and I'd really just like to express that, you know, I'm struggling a little bit. Can we just sit here together? Can we just co-regulate? Can we just 
share our emotions a little bit. Can can you just hold me right now? I just need to know that you're here with me to help me through this. Right. And, and I, I, I agree. And absolutely. And, 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 uh, and I'll add to that. It's OK to cry with, with your other half also. And let, let those tears flow. Show, show your emotions. Um, and then also and also uh, have your spouse understand, well, maybe I need a little alone time right now also. Uh, and be respectful for that. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go sit by the pool for a couple of minutes. So I'm gonna go for a walk. I'm gonna go to the gym or, or whatever. And uh, my wife was just. She always had my back. You know, I, I would go home and I would go home from work angry sometimes, angry at the agency, angry at some bosses, uh, angry at the public. And uh, and I probably took my frustrations out on her verbally. And uh, that's that's that, that was not not fair to her. But my one thing, my wife was is is, is a very very understanding person and a very calming person. I wish I could control my emotions like she controls hers sometimes. Now I'm sure, she, I'm sure during time she probably went, are you serious? <laughs> you know, or, but uh, yeah, go home and, and talk to your other half and say, listen, I had a really bad day at work today. Oh, this is what I saw. And uh, you're right. Hold me. And let's turn off the TV and let's just, let's just talk. Um, you know, put all, all, all the outside influences on hold right now. Your, your, your phone can go, your phone can go on vibrate. Your, your TV can be turned off uh, and, and just and have some alone time. And that would that's and that's one thing I did with my wife is I was very open with communication. So was she. And that, would, and that was good. But there was a point where I didn't communicate too well with her. And again, like I said earlier, I'm kind of regretting that. I am regretting that, I should say. I've also noticed the best relationships in the police department seem to be those who happen to have married another first responder because they get it. Yeah, yeah, they they do. They they absolutely do. They understand the traumas of the job. They understand the uh, uh, the functions of the job. Absolutely, but sometimes it's not bad to have an outside influence also. Um, who assume, and I always say they don't understand the job because every, every other half, every spouse understands the job. A, a, absolutely, they understand the job. I mean, I never spent a day in nursing school, but I do. I see what my wife went through. I saw the trauma it affected her. And I was always there to support her in for her traumas also. But that first responder, first responder relationship, it kind of takes it up a notch a little bit because they truly understand the trauma of the job. And the demands. Yes. On your time, yes. your energy in. Yes. And it's harder to get it out of your head the second you get home. So there's decompressed time. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah, like, like a lot of people... Um, I, which I never could do was uh, I worked with a lot of guys and girls that as soon as they got home, they would take a quick shower and they crawl into bed like within a half an hour. My head was still racing, you know, from the, from the, the and I, I, I was on nights by choice. I liked working the night shift and, uh, but I needed time to decompress, whether it was just have a, put the TV on, listen to some music uh, or, or like that. So um, having a first responder uh, spouse, they can understand the decompression also. So we have Thomas Gillen, I believe that's the last name, says, Mark, thank you for your honesty and your friendship. And then Marshall says, it's reassuring there are success stories. The job cost me two marriages. Wow. Well, well first of all, Marshall, that, that's amazing that, that you say that, that. That takes a lot to say that. And uh, Tom, while wow, we've been friends for, I'm going to show our age, for years and years and years. And, and uh Tom is another one that really, really gets mental health wellness. He really gets it. So does Marshall also. Two guys that really understand that. So you were on the force for a very long span of time. Did you notice, did you notice any changes over that period of time? Like, is, is it getting harder to be an officer? Are, are people starting to, to be better at supporting the mental health of the police? What it? What did you notice over the course of the that thirty years? Well, I I did notice um, that that it, it, police work it goes up and down, and what I mean by up and down is this: is sometimes there's a lot of support for the police, and then an incident happens, and a lot of people just jump on the bandwagon and start hating the police, which is wrong in so many ways. Now, are there bad cops out there? Yeah, there is, but they make up a they make up a very very small percentage of the good men and women that serve and have served in law enforcement. But unfortunately, we're, uh, we're all painted by the same brush a lot. And when you don't have lack of support from the public, lack of support from their own agency, lack of support from coworkers, lack of support from the media, 
that's very, very difficult to be a cop. It's extremely difficult. And that's all that is all going to affect your mental health wellness. One way, one way or another, it's, it's going to affect it to no end. Um, we saw what happened in 2020 with, with the, with the you want to call them riots, uprisings, whatever you want to call them, okay? Those were very traumatic times for law enforcement. I'm not making any excuses for bad cops. No, no. What's, I don't support cops that are bullies. I don't support cops that use excessive force. I don't support that, that belittle the public. I don't support that. What, what, I don't support that at all. But it's very difficult for the good cops uh, to go to work and see what happened around the country or work for a department that had a major incident, such as the George Floyd incident, or, uh, uh, you know, that those very, very difficult times. And that does affect your mental health wellness. What I have seen through my career was um, a lot of departments are jumping on board now with mental health wellness. And that's, that's, that's huge. That, that, that's, that's amazing. Back in the day, and I'm sure Christy, you've heard this expression, quiet practice, um, it, you know, which, there were good times. Don't, don't get me wrong. There were great times. Have a couple of beers behind the police station and BS for a while and get it off your chest. Those were good times. Sure. Absolutely. They were, they were great times, but what were they really doing? Uh, long-term, not much. You're self-medicating pretty much. Now I've seen departments starting with peer support units with, uh, having mental health, uh, people on, you know, within their departments which I think is really, really big. Uh, that, that's, that's actually huge. Back in the day, you never would have heard, heard of a mental health professional being part of a law enforcement agency for the officers. You would, you would, that, would, that was unheard of. So we are, we are going, we're progressing. We're not where we should be by any means, but we are progressing. But one thing I have learned in my, 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 my career was when it came to suicide is a lot of departments go in that denial phase. Now that now that will never happen at my agency, um, or they look they look down upon officers that died by suicide, or they have came out and said, "Hey, listen, I'm struggling with it. I'm struggling with this incident that happened the other night, or I'm struggling through the years of being a cop, the commutative tra- uh, commutative tra- uh, trauma." And uh, but uh, we have got a lot better with it. But again, in my personal opinion, I don't think we're at where we should be at. It's going to be a long and winding road. But we we can do this. We really can. I think so too. Absolutely. Yes, definitely. So you did mention uh, that you're not on board with the, the bad cops and all of that stuff. That's part of your mission, right? With your organization, you actually do some trainings to help departments with de-escalation and some of that stuff. Yes. Yeah, we do. Uh, my organization is Protecting the Guardian. Um, we, we, we're a great organization, very small. There's only six of us. Um, but uh, yeah, that's one thing we want to do is we, we want cops to, uh, we want them to de-escalate, not to have to go hands-on all the time. Now, I, now, don't get me wrong. There is a time you have to go hands-on. There's a time you have to uh, you have to deal with force, and that's by applying force. We get that. We understand that. And no, never should your officer's safety be jeopardized uh, by any means, um, trying to talk, uh, trying to talk your way through something. Cause there are times you have to go hands-on or unfortunately pull the trigger. No cop wakes up. Uh, now, first of all, there is a cop that wakes up and says, today's the day I'm going to kill somebody. That cop doesn't belong on the job. Absolutely not. Get rid of that person right away. But uh, we, 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 we're all about de-escalation, but to be a healthy cop, to deliver a healthy product for the public and to do a healthy product for their agency they have to be healthy physically and mentally. They have, they have to be, the, the game has to be on. It has to really, really be on. So if you have an agency that doesn't recognize mental health illness and they say that doesn't happen in our agency or uh, yeah, yeah, go get some help and let them know when you're better and don't support their agencies, that, that office is going to become very negative. And when a negative cop hits the streets, they're going to do negative things, unfortunately. For sure. So how long have you been at your, at your organization? How long have you been doing uh, that? Uh, we've been, we've been together, we've been in existence now for about a year and a half, maybe two years. Uh, we started off with four members. We're up to six now. Um, we have a uh, mental health professional, Nick. Uh, he's, a, he's a great guy. He's based out of Chicago. He's a mental health professional. We have a, a Ron, Ron Clark. He is a retired Connecticut trooper, along with a registered nurse and a mental health professional. So So he's... Ron's going to go on. He, he really does. Love Ron. We have Therese. I worked with her dad. Unfortunately, her dad died by suicide five years after he retired. 
Therese and I have, I've known Therese for 20 plus years. Uh, we just took, we have, we have a new uh, member of the organization. We, we call him new Nick because there's two Nicks. <laughs> so we call him new Nick. He is a Arlington police officer, amazing guy. He's active military and he's also a uh, faith-based. Uh, I'm a Christian also. Uh, he's an ordained minister, uh, which, which, which is amazing. And my favorite member, my wife, who's now on board with us also. So we have a, we have a, we're very we're very proud of our organization. We're very small. We're not in it to we're not in it for the glamour. We're not in it to look at us, look at us, or anything like that. We're in it for the wellness of the officers, suicide prevention, and also with their families too. That show their families that we have their backs also. So what what services do you provide? We uh, we provide peer support training. Uh, we supply, uh, uh, provide uh, spiritual training, faith-based training for law enforcement. We, uh, we, we provide family training, um, you know, th- for the family to understand the, the traumas of the job and to recognize when, it, when their loved one is, is struggling mentally. Uh, so we provide that type of training. We do a lot of presentations. Um, it can be anywhere from an hour to four hours, even to eight hours if you want. Eight hours is probably a little bit too long sometimes to hear one person talk. Um, so ideally, we'd like to do between two and four hours. Um, so we provide presentations at uh, at police conferences, at training. Uh, whoever wants us, we, you know, we're on board. We're never going to tell. We're never going to tell somebody no. We're not going to do it. And, uh, and we're so diverse in our organization, also. Um, but that's that's the stuff that we offer. But more so, we want to let the officers know again, it's okay not to be okay. It's it's uh, understand that the the warning signs of PTS. The warning signs of uh, struggling with your job, and also one thing we, we talk about also is about retirement and prepare yourself for retirement because retirement is life changing. And but prepare yourself for retirement and also understand one thing also. Hey, listen, if the job's not for you anymore, if you honestly don't enjoy the job anymore, we're not, you, don't, never be embarrassed by that. Uh, it's time. It's time to move on. So those those type of trainings that we provide, but we our training is, is very very on a personal level. We're not textbook. We're not going to open up a book and say the left side of the brain says this, the right side of the brain says that, or anything. We we have a very life experience, personal level. And I think that's that what makes us unique from uh, from from else. And we the protecting the guardians alone. The name is so unique because our job is to protect our guardians from mental health, illness, suicide prevention, traumas of the job. You know, will we ever will, will we ever prevent suicide? One year there'll be no suicides in the first responder world. No, absolutely not. That's that's not feasible. But if we can put a dent in the numbers, that's that's one of our goals. If we can at least get it close to the general population. Right, right, right. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. And understand also that as much as we're distanced as law enforcement, we're distant from the public because a lot of people don't understand what we do. But we are members of the public also. And cops do have feelings and do have emotions, do have families. Do have trauma also. A lot of people vision cops as you know they see the uniform and big tough guys and guys and girls and nothing bothers them. We're only human like anybody else. Absolutely. I love that you guys are including the families. It's again, it's something we run into a lot, is that the families, the spouses don't necessarily understand um, requests for space. And that seems to be a uh, when when the officer wants time and says, I need time. We're not going to argue right now. And the spouse is like, no, we're having this conversation. You know, I'm pissed off. <laughs> we need to do this. Right. So, right. So it's a little different than your everyday relationship that when someone who has the levels of trauma that first responders do uh, asks for space, it can mean much more than I just need to organize my thoughts. It can literally mean I am having a really hard time controlling my anger right now and I'm going to lose my shit, literally. And you may be in danger if you don't give me the space I'm asking for. Like I need time to reflect and connect and get myself together. So we have to set those parameters for safe conversation and safe argument and and make it so that both parties get the most out of the relationship possible. And it's without educating uh, the spouses and children as well, that there are certain signals or certain 
phrases that we're going to set up. And when they're used, you have to back off. You have to give space because it's essential to the to your well-being and to your partner's well-being. You, you nailed it. I, I don't even know how to follow that up. <laughs> you, you, you literally nailed it. Per, per, I, I couldn't say it any better myself. And I agree with you 100%. One thing I did fail with Krista, uh, Krista, I'm sorry. One thing I did fail on was when my, when I was, when I went through my struggles is when my wife told me I needed to get help. Uh, I said to her, you're not a cop. You don't understand this. Um, and that, first of all, that was a big mistake that I made because she was 100% right that I needed to get help. But I thought that she didn't understand the job, even though she was with me ever since I've been a cop. I mean, since 1985, she's been with me. And the whole time she's with me, I've always wore a uniform. And um, she'll say she did, she understands the traumas of the job. She she does. But I never thought that she really understood that uh, because she because she wasn't a cop. So you 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 nailed that perfectly. You need some alone time. Absolutely, you need time some cooling off period. And yeah, just yeah, I don't want to lose my shit right now. You said it perfectly. I agree. And not one who usually swears, but sometimes you have to use the words that are appropriate for the for the time. So absolutely, I I, I agree. I, I try not to swear. I, I mean, being Italian from Boston, that's that's a challenge right there. <laughs> so, I'm sure you watch The Godfather and The Sopranos. You know how we talk. <laughs> so so that's a huge challenge, and, and God's get me through it. <laughs> so well, you did mention that you you are a man of faith. Yes. Has that always been true, or did you come to that later? I came that later, actually. I came at very late in my career, actually. Um, I always believed in God. Uh, you know, don't, don't get me wrong. I was, I was raised actually a Catholic. Um, through my, my later part of my career, towards the last two or three years, um, I, I kind of changed my life around when it came to my faith. I, I started uh, looking at more of a Christian uh, way of looking at things. Um, I, I found John 3.16 and... Um, that was that I read that that verse and that was absolutely amazing. I'm not downplaying the Catholic religion by any means, but it didn't fit my comfort zone. The, uh, and I, I was I went through a difficult time at work. I was on suspension uh, when, when I when I when I when I accepted Jesus as my savior. Um, and that turned that but the last couple of years that turned my career around actually quite a bit because I looked at things a little bit differently also a, a, as a Christian. And uh, I, I and my wife's a Christian also. We, we she accepted Jesus also, and we um, we love it. We 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 love it. I never thought in my life I would go to a faith based concert because I'm into rock and roll. I love ACDC and and Journey and all that. I love that music. But I also love like Mercy Me, you know. And I, I go to faith based concerts all the time, and I I rock out at the faith based concerts, you know. So um, it's just amazing. But I, I got it. Got, and that's another thing also in your wellness plan. Is if faith works for you, it doesn't work for it doesn't necessarily work for everybody, unfortunately. But have faith and understand that God only gives you so much that you can handle. Now that sounds a little overwhelming sometimes, and you put your hands, you go, could it could it get any worse? Well, yes, actually, it could get worse. Yeah, absolutely. And you have to put your belief into faith, and God leads you down a path for a reason. A lot of people find faith when they hit rock bottom. So I mean, we know that this is. Faith is a tool that we use often in recovery. So it gives people something. We need passion and purpose and you have to have something to believe in. So whether that is yourself, your mission, your future, your faith, everybody needs something to believe in and to be passionate about. So it, it can be a very, a very solid thing to lean on. Right. And, and I agree. And, and when, I, when it comes to my faith, um, I don't ask God why anymore. I used to. Um, I, you know, why is this happening to me? Why did this happen? Or not, now I, I don't ask God, God why. I ask for God guidance that get me through this and uh, show me the path. Now, a lot of times you have to find a path on your own, but God's not leaving you hanging. He's not saying, OK, go walk down that path and I'll see you at the other end. That's not what he's doing. He's guiding you. And sometimes you go, okay, I really don't understand this. But in the long term, it, work, it works out really uh, very, very, very well. And uh, I just really, truly believe that I, I, I wish I found my faith probably at the start of my career, if not my obviously my whole life. Uh, you know, and uh, But I don't blame God for my misfortunes by any means. Not, not, literally, not by any means. My, um, um, and as you know, I've had two suicide attempts in, in, uh, during my career. And uh, that's that's rock bottom. 
that really is rock bottom. And, uh, and I was pissed off at God. I was so upset with him that how you let this happen to me. And then the message I got from him was toughen up and let's get through this. And I don't mean toughen up in a bad way. Don't get me wrong when I say that, but, um, we, we, you know, it raises a Catholic. We, we believe that suicide was damaging our soul and that uh, you're not going to get into heaven. Uh, and that's what I believed. And uh, that was that was a, that was a tough pill to swallow also. But I've learned from my suicide attempts uh, when I was active on the job um, that my, my childhood trauma and the traumas of the job and being and, and I, I really bothers me to say this, but I was bullied on the job. Also, I was bullied by by, by bosses uh, because I wasn't a yes man. Um, I didn't tell them what they wanted to hear. Uh, I, I stood up for myself and I stood up for the people that I led. I was a sergeant for 19 years and I truly believe I led by example. I wasn't a supervisor. I was a leader. And that's, that's, that's a, I worked for several supervisors, but very few leaders. And I, I'm not going to, don't get me wrong. I'm not pushing my blame off on somebody else or anything like that. But I, um, and I take full responsibility for the stupid things I said and did. <laughs> and, uh, I, if looking back, I wish I could have probably toned it down a little bit sometimes uh, and not be so rebellious. Uh, but I also learned from that also. And um, it's, it's all about leadership and it's all about, and, and God is a leader. So I'm going to ask a really, really personal question and it's absolutely okay to say, no, we're not going to talk about that. But because you have attempted suicide in those moments before, those hours before, what was your reasoning? What was your why? Uh, well, I, I um, it sounds really strange when I say this. I was working for a boss that was a very difficult boss. Uh, he was a bully. Uh, that's that's pretty much the only way only way of wording it. Um, during the course of that time, uh, he would belittle me. He would talk down to me. And um, one of the things he used to call me, and, uh, and I want people to really hear this when I say this, is he used to call me precious. He used to call me his precious sergeant. My sexual abuser used to call me his precious little boy. That's a, that's a huge trigger right there. Uh, that 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 provoked uh, pro, uh, that that gave me a lot of anger issues at that point. I mean, extreme anger issues at that point. A lot of times when I looked at that boss, I would I would think I would think of my abuser right away because he wore a uniform also, um, and that was that was a lot lot of trauma. So uh, during this course of this time, also I had a baby die in my arms. Uh, I was doing CPR on the baby, four months old baby. I could not bring the baby back to life. Uh, I was in the emergency room when the baby, um, when, when, when they, they pronounced the baby dead, uh, that, that infuriated me. Uh, that caused me to have nightmares, uh, caused me obviously to have PTS issues. Uh, the nightmares were, were, were literally brutal. I was having panic attacks. I was a very angry person, uh, weight gain, um, alcohol issues, self-medicating, and these are, but most of all, when I, when I looked in the mirror, I saw a person that I never saw before. I saw this very angry, pissed off person, and I didn't like that person. But I'm like, man, that's, that's just the way it is. That's, that's the job. That's the, that's the way it is. But it was just weighing me down, weighing me down to the point where I, I, I couldn't go to work anymore. I would sit in my driveway, and we had take home cruisers, and I would, uh, I would put my cruiser in drive, and I would sit there for a half an hour shaking. I, I can't go to work. What's going to happen? I, I can't deal with this stuff anymore. And that affected my marriage also, because I, like I said earlier, when I said to my wife, you know, you're not a cop, you don't get this. And that, that caused some marriage issues also. And the weight gain in the appearance. And I became a micromanager at work and I became very rebellious. Um, so one night it just, it hit me like a ton of bricks. That's the only, only way of wording it. Um, I got a horrible evaluation um, to the point where I was looking at possible termination or demotion. And that, that really hit home again, because all my life I wanted to be a cop. So if you add this all up now that the, the, the childhood, childhood issues, uh, the work issues, the marriage issues, the alcohol issues, the weight gain, the physical issues, the panic attack, I, I was not a healthy person by any means. And it got to the point where I started hearing voices. And it sounds really strange when I say this. The voices were telling me that I'm worthless, uh, that I'm a POS, uh, that uh, you, don't, you don't deserve to be on this earth anymore. I felt that people were belittling me, laughing at me. And these are all, so I, so 
I, I, I Googled all these issues and, and PTS came up, PTSD came up and I'm like, I never spent a day in the military. There is absolutely no way. Well, here's the denial factor also that this is happening to me. So I am writing a suicide note, uh, a two page note, one to my agency, the first side and the other side was to my wife. And I literally put the gun in my mouth and was going to squeeze the trigger when I was talking. And then the cop pulled down next to me and talked me down. Uh, thank God he did. He, he saved my life. Craig McGee, he has since passed away. I, I love Craig. His nickname was The Whopper. Uh, I, I, I love The Whopper. And uh, But when I went home that night, I went home early that night, I got the suicide thoughts again and put the gun back in my mouth the second time. Now, we talk about, I'm going to talk about this for one second. The Lord works in mysterious ways. When I had the second suicide attempt on the same night, when I had the gun in my mouth the same night, I was um, I was sitting by my pool and I had some music playing and I put a CD in for younger people. CDs a round thing that plays music. <laughs> so, so I put that in my CD player and I hit shuffle and the song that came on was Even the Nights Are Better, which was my wedding song uh, to my wife. I hit shuffle again. It hit, hit it came to the same song again. Here the third time. I'm like, okay. This is a little weird, for lack of a better word. Uh, and I said, I need to get help. I, I, I can't. So I took the gun out of my mouth and I said to myself, you know, the trauma I'm going to leave behind um, to my wife, to my family. And if I get back up for one second also, um, I called dispatch it's the night of my suicide attempt and asked who the on-call uh, homicide detective was. And it was a very good friend of mine. So I knew I'd give her trauma and I'd give the guys and girls at work trauma. So I realized that I've, I've got to get help. And I went back to Boston and got help. And uh, it was a tough road. It really was. I, I came back to work very angry. Uh, I came back with a reputation uh, that, that I had a screw loose. I heard that several times. I, I will never go into a gun battle with you because I'm afraid that you're gonna, not going to react. I was called a coward. Again, I'm not talking, I'm not saying this for pity. Not by any means. Am I saying this for pity? By any means. But that was that was, that was very tough to deal with. So then I, th I thought to myself on my recovery phase, yeah, I had to, I had to go find a therapist. I found I found a therapist. She's a retired cop. Still see her. She's absolutely amazing. Um, I was open to medication. and uh, But more so, I was open to get life back on track and get my marriage back on track. And I knew my wife had my back. So I put her in my back into my life. As, as a resource, if that makes any sense. And uh, yeah, she was a huge resource to me. She, she really, really, really was. And um, I mean, there's plenty of times she literally held me while I cried myself to sleep, while I shook, while I had panic attacks. And um, I'm going to sound a little sexist when I say that, but the, sometimes the male ego doesn't accept that too well. Men don't cry. You know, yeah, yeah we actually do cry. We, we actually do cry quite a bit, actually. And uh, so I tried to turn it around. Uh, I was not successful at first because I spoke very angry and belittled my agency. Then I learned through time that, you know, listen, I'm not the only cop that ever felt like this. Normally, uh, by nature, I'm a funny person. I like to laugh and joke. Let me throw some humor in there. Let me make fun of myself a little bit. And uh, it's turned around 100%. Now my goal is for anybody, not just first responders, not just cops or anybody, for anybody that struggles to, hey, listen, we, we, you got this. You really, really have this. But the only way to get healthy mentally is to take that, take it, and say, "I'm going to do this for myself, and I'm going to do it for my family." And that, and that that was that was tough to do, but um, not bragging. I've been pretty successful with it. We got a couple comments. Oh, this one we missed a little bit ago. So you got, I love Nick. Great go, great guy. Um, Nick probably wrote that himself. <laughs> no, Eric wrote that. Okay, Eric, we love Nick also. <laughs> so. Marshall said, Marshall Lord says internal bullies can be worse than bad guys on the street. Absolutely. Amen, my brother. Absolutely. Eric S says, all of my stress has been from administrative stuff. We hear that a lot, actually. Um, and then Marshall comes back with the general public has no idea how nasty and corrupt admin can be. You know, Marshall's right, uh, and uh, so was the other person. I forgot his name, and I apologize. Internal stress is huge. It absolutely is. Now, let me say this: not all administrators are bad. Please, please don't take that the way. I'm not here to. I'm not here to badmouth administrators or anything like that. I I have worked with some great administrators. I have met some great administrators, but I do understand the trauma of 
when you feel that your agency doesn't support you. Uh, and, and I felt that my agency didn't support me with my endeavors. Now, granted, I didn't do things the way they should have been done. I get that. And I take responsibility for that. But I thought with the brotherhood, the thin blue line, I thought it'd be just a little bit differently than it was. Um, if I was injured physically on the job, that would be a whole different story. Uh, and I'm not taking anything away from my brothers and sisters that have been injured physically. That's a, that's that's traumatic also. But um, the health illness takes, the, takes us to another notch. And when departments don't support their officers that are struggling, and I've seen that, unfortunately, that's that's bad. That's really, really bad. So I understand the frustration and the the um, the bad blood towards administration, unfortunately. And every organization is so different. It is. So very, very different. And some personalities are going to do better in some organizations than others. So the organization right. that, that like you might not like might work really well for another personality. So it's always kind of hard. It is. It's, it's twofold. Yeah, you know, you know what I mean? It's, it's, it's almost damned if you do, damned if you don't. And uh, I've, I've worked with people in my, my, uh, they have said, hey, this, I work for the, the, the greatest agency ever. I have, I have zero, zero stress. They support me. More power to you. That's, that is absolutely amazing. And I've talked to other officers who say, listen, I've been screwed royally by my agency. And that, that, that sucks. That really, that really sucks. So I see both, I see, I've seen both sides of the coin. And it's very difficult. But the bottom line is the brotherhood and the sisterhood, we've got to take care of each other better than we do, much better than we do. Absolutely. Definitely need to stop stop bullying each other Right. in right. our moments. Right, right. Yeah, yeah, you know, who wants to go to work miserable? Yeah, you know, who, who, who wants to go into work and say, oh, my God, I have to do 12 hours of this BS. And if I do something wrong, my agency's not going to back me or uh, – Instead of looking for something bad, let's look at something good also. And I'm going to give you an example of that, if you don't mind. Um, we started with a body cam, body cameras. Um, supervisors had to, had to watch the body cameras and make sure that there was no wrongdoing, which is fine. I get that. But we also should be watching those body cameras for the good doing also. And let's and let's commit let's commend our officers that are going above and beyond. Or hey are just doing the right thing for the public and doing the right thing for their agencies. But unfortunately, sometimes the bad always the good sometimes. I miss the good old days when we did the whole, like, uh, management was taught, you always do a sandwich. If you're going to tell them about something bad they did, you have to do something good, then do the bad, then right. do something good. <laughs> right, right. One thing, you know, Crystal, one thing I struggled with was, is when um, it came to discipline was, I, I got this line a couple of times. Hey, you didn't any, do anything wrong, but well, we could probably <laughs> we could probably end that right at do you do anything wrong. So, um, and, and I understand we're in a different time now and all that, but um, we have to commend our officers for doing a good job. Absolutely, it may not look like they, it, it, maybe they didn't go above me on. They just did their job. But yeah, everybody needs a pat on the back every once in a while. Absolutely, and it's not us against them. That's that we should work as a team, a team with the public, the team with our brothers and sisters and the team with, with, with our administration. Now, I grant, grant I get we're not everybody's, everybody's not going to get along. It's not the Brady Bunch where everybody got along, <laughs> not, not by any means. But we, we should do, do a little bit better, much better, actually. Well, even society wide, the us versus them thing that everyone's doing between racial, between religion, between uh economic status like literally we've got all these dividing lines but the bottom line is it's not us versus them we're all us we're all literally them so we can't do that i mean the manager is you it's there is no real difference so we're really just hating ourselves when we're doing this and it's damaging it's totally damaging it's damaging mentally and physically because as we know when you're damaged mentally, that leads to physical ailments also, you know, uh, you know, like I said earlier, weight gain, chest pain, diabetes. These are all things that, that, uh, that stress initiates in the physical uh, being of somebody also. Lack of sleep. That's, that's absolutely huge in the first responder world. First of all, I'm getting the sleep. Now think, think about being a firefighter for a second. You work a 24 hour shift and you work at a busy house and you may get two hours of sleep here between calls, two hours there. Now, now, plus 30 years of doing that, that's that's difficult. 
on the in the cop world, working 12-hour shifts, going to court the next morning after you worked all night, going to work an overtime shift, uh, staying late, coming in early. Those are all not, not healthy. And somebody said to me one time, well, that's what you signed up for. No, no, that's not what we signed up for. We signed up for to do the right thing. Now, does that come with it? Unfortunately, yes, yes, it does. But we've got to we've got to learn. The, the people have to learn the trauma of the job mentally and physically. Yeah, in the ER we did sixteens, and it oh. was not uncommon to do doubles. So you do two sixteens in a row, and then you'd have eight hours off. And then try squeezing your personal life during that also. Yeah. <laughs> right, right. For another double sixteen. <laughs> right. Hey, the money's good. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, you know, with all that overtime yeah. and stuff. Yeah, but money's not everything. Yeah, you know, and but 16 hours working continuously, 16 hours, that's 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 got trauma written all over that. And and the fatigue issue that goes with it too, where I'm sure you had some downtime where you, you oh, let me sit down for a minute, let me catch my breath, and all of a sudden here comes another patient, and you're like, Oh, yeah, I, I don't even have time to, to, to have a, a sip of water. Yeah, you know, that that's 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 not good, that's not healthy. Well, and do you guys do you guys actually get a real lunch break and you know that whole everybody needs 15 minutes every four hours those it's not part of the job <laughs> no no it's just like it's just like the er you 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 know like no no the er you're not going to go to a restaurant but you run down to the cafeteria we'll just use that as an example you run down the cafeteria and as you're getting your sandwich you're getting paged there's a code in the er or there's something going on in the er what are you doing you're dropping whatever you're doing and you're going back there as as, as a cop you go to sit down at a restaurant. Oh, great! Here's that great cheeseburger I've been, I've been, I've been craving. And all of a sudden, you get an emergency call. Well, goodbye, cheeseburger. And you know, let's. Uh, I'm using a cheeseburger as an example. But and, you know, no, again, it's not healthy. Then you start eating junk food, and you start going through drive-throughs or, or whatever. Not, 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 not healthy by any means. So, what what steps did you take? I know you mentioned that you started seeing a therapist, but what things helped you get on track? Uh, well, one of the things is was accepting responsibility. Uh, that, that that was huge. Understanding that uh, my anger is not going to get me anywhere. It's not, it's, it's if, if anything, it's going to get me people to dislike me, and I don't want to be disliked. Um, so, so I, I, anger management was was huge because I was very on the defensive. I raised my voice quite a bit. Uh, I had a lot of WTF moments, uh, you know, and um, so that so realizing my anger control. But one thing I really realized was was there's things in your life that you can't control. You just can't. And but all you can do instead of being part of the problem is an idea. Be part of the solution of that, and to be a little more open-minded and, and to start looking at both sides of the coin instead of one side of the coin. Not making it all about you. And one thing in my wellness was also was being open to medication. Uh, if you told me years ago that uh, I'd have to I'd have to take a sleeping pill to go to sleep, I'm like, no way whatsoever am I going to do that? No. Or I'm going to need I'm going to need a mental health pill to take the edge off to have me calm down. Um, that that was that 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 was I struggled with that at first, uh, but now I'm very open to medication, a, a, absolutely. And through and, and through uh, my retirement now, the medication has lessened because there's a lot of stress that's not gone in my life. But what I, what I think was really was, was to be a positive person and uh, to realize that um, not everybody thinks like you. Not everybody has the same beliefs as you, but you don't have to be nasty about it because they don't believe you. Whether you're a Democrat, Republican or whatever, there's no reason to be nasty to everybody if they don't agree with something that you say. There's no reason at all to be nasty about that and respect other people's opinions, whether you agree with them or disagree with them. But understand also that the only person that can make you better is you. And you've got to, and you have to learn from your mistakes. I, Christian, I could write the book on mistakes, <laughs> you know, you know unfor un unfortunately. Uh, but I look back now and I say, yeah, that was pretty dumb. Or that was, that was probably not the smartest thing to say, or that was not the smartest thing to do. But now I've learned also that I get my energy from my, my hardships in life. I get my energy from when I was, when I was at the worst point, point of my life that I said, I can't go on any further but then something led me to get help and, and, uh, and now to learn from that and to take my pain that I experienced and make my pain into wellness and to show people that, okay, yeah, yeah, we, we, we got this. We, 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 we can get through this. And, and, and again, not, it's really difficult 
as in law enforcement, it's really difficult. We're control freaks. You know, you go to a domestic violence call, you go to a traffic stop. Who's in charge? We are. You know, but sometimes we're not. Unfortunately, we're not in charge of our lives, and we have to understand that um, shit happens. You know, it, it, that that's that's the only 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 way of wording it. I'm not downplaying it by any means. I'm not trying to make light of it or anything like that. But learn from your mistakes and learn to move on. And be honest with you, let the past go a little bit also. That's very difficult. That's extremely difficult, but it can be done. We're going to carry baggage the rest of our lives. Absolutely. There's not a person in this world that's not carrying not carrying baggage. But if we dwell in that baggage all the time, we're not going to get any better. You know, give me an example. You go to the airport and your plane's delayed an hour. And I see people going, oh, my God, my plane, my plane's delayed an hour, on and on and on. You know what I do? I'm like, whatever. You know, whatever. I put my music on, go have a beer, you know, uh, you know, you know, just chill out. I, now, I was that person at one time. I can't believe this happened. I can't believe this. But it's not my control. It's totally not, not in my control. There's nothing I can do. You don't want me flying your plane. Yeah, you know, that's what the pilots are for. Yeah, you know, and understand also that when it comes to physical Ill, illness, um, I have some medical issues that I'm not happy about. But I, I have to take my medication forward. I try to be live a healthy lifestyle, uh, mentally and physically, and um, it, it can be done. It it, it 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 can be done. It's but it's it's extremely difficult. Got our our guys down here talking to us. So we have Thomas again. Says we learn starting in the academy to take care of everyone else's problems, and we don't learn how to take care of ourselves. We have to remember that we must care for ourselves first. And then we've got Eric says, amen, Thomas. <laughs> <laughs> Can I get an amen, right? Yeah. <laughs> so, so, yeah. And Tom, 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 you know, Tom's a great friend of mine. And uh, he's he's one of my, he's actually one of my mentors. And uh, I reached out to Tom when I struggled. And uh, Tom took, took me down the path. One thing Tom said to me, Tom, and I think you'll remember this when you said this, when I was talking to him, he said, I'm not going to baby you, Mark. I'm just going to, I'm going to guide you. I'm not going to baby you. Did I want to be baby? Yeah. I probably did to a point. Sure. I, I, absolutely. I wanted to be babied a little bit and uh, Tom nailed it. A absolutely. I, I think as helpers on this side now doing what you're doing, the hardest part for us, the hardest part for me, I know is that moment when you know someone's not quite ready and you know, they're not going to reach out for help, but you know, you can help them if they just say the word you have that, like, Oh, if you just realize that you just have to decide to do this for yourself. Right. So close. You're so close. What is it going to take to get you there? Right. Right. Do it for them. You, you have to. Yeah. I just had somebody reach out to me a while ago. They sent me a message on Facebook and they said, uh, I'm going to try and find the time to reach out to you and talk to you about an issue I'm going through. And it went off for like two paragraphs and I'm reading it and I'm okay. And I gave this line back to him. Take time to make time, make time to take time. And if you took the time to write these two paragraphs, you have time to talk to me. And my phone rang literally 10 seconds later. And uh, we had a great conversation. Absolutely. I had a great conversation. Self-awareness is huge. Stop making excuses. Stop, you know, you know, no, no, no. They don't care or, uh, you know, poor me or, or nobody gets it. Every struggle that you entail in life, Somebody else has struggled with that same thing. They 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 have. Now it's 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 it it could be huge in their life or it could be very minor in their life, extreme incidents versus minor incidents. But the bottom line is everything that you've experienced in life, somebody else has experienced that also. So we, me and you, uh Christian, we have to ex expand our life experiences to other people and say, Yeah, I I I get this. I, I I really, I really, really get this. Now, what may work for me may not work for you. Or vice versa. I think you said that earlier. Um, but the common goal is to get on the right right path and surround yourself with people that get it. That really, really get it. Yep. Get that negative people out of your life. Yeah, you know, I I, I was that negative person. I, you know, you I, I say this all the time in my presentations. You ever drive down the street, you see two cop cars parked car to car, and and I, I say, what do you think they're talking about? Oh, they're talking about they're talking about the robbery at the end of the street. They're talking about this. No, no, we're talking. We're pissed off about this. We're pissed off at our bosses. We're pissed off about the money we're making. It's a, it, it's a complete bitch session for lack 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 of a better word, you know. Uh, but don't don't 
focus on the negativity, focus on the positivity. There's always a light at the end of the tunnel. There really, really is. I wish I learned that years ago, to be honest with you. And try. That word try, that is the maybe your parents gave you in the 80s. Try always means no. You just don't want to admit to yourself that that's what you mean. Right, right. Yeah. And, and, and understand also that, um, you know, things do good thing. Bad things happen to good people. They, 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 they do. They, 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 they totally, totally do. But you, again, you nailed it once again, try, you know, let, let's try, you know, like the expression goes, work with me, people work with me. Yeah. You know, and uh, that's, that's what you got, you, you got to do now. It's not going to happen overnight. Absolutely not. Nobody's going to wave a magic wand and say, okay, now you feel better and let's move on from that. No, that's, that's not going to happen. But like I said earlier, learn from your mistakes and don't be a victim. You know, and I, I know that sounds cold to say that, um, but victims are, are can, can survive traumatic events. Absolutely, they can. Absolutely. So before we close today, it's been amazing, amazing having you here. What is the last thing you want to tell everybody? Okay. Um, well, first of all, I want to thank you. Uh, first of all, thank thank you so much, and thank you to everybody who's taking the time to to, uh, to watch us. I, I, that's truly truly amazing. And uh, I think I think it's lessons learned. That's that's what that's what I want to say. Uh, understand that um, suicide is not the answer. Okay, suicide is not about dying; it's about stopping the pain. When I put the gun in my mouth that that night, the, both 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 times that night, it was very calming, extremely calming, actually. Um, but that was not the answer. I had to, I had to find that strength somewhere. Uh, to this day, I still question where I found it sometimes, where I found the strength to uh, to get better. And my my goal, and everybody that's listening, the goal is through the toughest times. There's also there's going to be a good time. There are truly people that care about you. There really, really is. Think about the trauma that you're going to leave behind if you do if you do decide to die by suicide. Okay, we, we don't want that. We don't want that at all. It's, it's baby steps in life. Life throws you a curveball. Sometimes you get hit by the pitch. Another example is this. You go up to the you play baseball. You go up to the bat. The bases are loaded. You want to hit a grand slam. You want that to go over. You want those four runs to come in. But guess what? You got hit by the pitch. You took one for the team. That's what you did. Now you're in first base and a run came in. Now what's your goal is to get to second base. So it's it's okay to hurt. It's okay to cry. It's okay to struggle. Those are that comes with life, but you can't let that obsess you and just sit there and go, poor me, poor me. No, no, not at all, actually. Move on. Do things in life that make you happy. Give you an example, my long hair. Like I said earlier, that makes me happy. Music makes me happy. My wife makes me happy. My faith makes me happy. Talking about this makes me extremely happy, actually. This is therapeutic for me. You know, I, I I love 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 doing this. It's the it's it's such a good good feeling. So again, and but also learn from other people's mistakes too. And don't be that pissed off person all the time. Please don't. I think I think I think that's it. <laughs> I hope. <laughs> Thank you so much, so much for being here tonight. It was such a pleasure to get to know you and to yeah, hear your story. Can I give a shout out to somebody? I know he's watching. Him. Can, I, can I give that to somebody? My buddy Paul. My my buddy Paul. He's a he's a first responder. Also, we've been friends for forty plus years, and uh, he introduced me. Him and his wife introduced me to my wife. My wife and his wife are best friends, and he's my best friend. And he sent me a message. He's going to watch this tonight. Paul, I love you, brother. And all my friends that are watching, I love you guys. I get my strength from you guys. And remember, people, it's okay not to be okay. We got this. We truly, truly got this. Thank you so much. You're very, very welcome. It's been a pleasure. Have a great night. You too. Thank you so much. And God bless. All right, you guys. Don't forget that you can support this podcast if you love what we're doing and you want to keep hearing these stories. There is a button if you're watching us on Anchor that says support this podcast. If you want to support our organization, battletobe.org, uh, just hop on over to our website and you can access Mark or you can get to know more about his organization as well. 
Again, he is co-founder of Protecting the Guardian. And I know how easy he is to find online. So just put that in your Google bar and you'll get right there. And you can find out all about what he is up to with his crew. So thank you guys so much for being here tonight. And I'll see you again on Thursday. See you later.